Hello and welcome to FM On Demand with Tara Fitzpatrick, Food Management's podcast. I'm your host, Tara Fitzpatrick. Today, we are having a conversation about emotional intelligence and leadership in the kitchen. We're speaking with Stanford Dining's Christina Batondo, and she has a lot of really good things to say about leadership. She is overseeing 18 units on campus, serving 20,000 meals a day, managing 350 staff. And that's what we're talking about is those 350 human beings that she manages. And she has a way of listening to her employees and kind of a few tips and tricks that you can incorporate if you are in a leadership position. Um, If you're lucky enough to never have had a verbally abusive boss, then that's great. But if you have experienced this, I think you can see that it doesn't really motivate you. It doesn't really make you a team player to have somebody like berating you all the time. And in a lot of workplaces, that kind of was the norm. And I'm very happy that that's changing within my lifetime. So we talk about that. And then we also get into, she has um, real interesting experience working in San Francisco at one of the most famous restaurants there, Slanted Door. The things she learned there that she brought with her to Stanford is really interesting. And then we got to talking about my big fat Greek wedding, which is celebrating its 20 year anniversary this year. I just rediscovered it with my daughter and we talk about that and it's a lot of fun. So please listen and enjoy. Thank you so much for listening. Hi, Christina. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, I'm super excited. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So how are things in at Stanford and Stanford dining specifically? Have you, are people coming back into dining rooms now? Yeah, so we are almost back to normal. We're heading endemic, which we're very excited about. So when we started in the fall, we actually have one and a half times the amount of student population because so many people deferred Mm. a year. So we had uh, more people than we've ever had. But it's been very exciting, like all the energy is coming back, we're starting to do events again, Mm -hmm. everyone's eating in the dining halls, it's been so much fun to see the life come back. That's very cool. And you are overseeing 18 units, 20,000 meals a day. This is a a lot, what you're you're in charge of like a very big operation, for sure. And I, I wanted to talk a little bit about, and first of all, if people want to read more about Christina, we have from our Viewpoint series, um, Christina's colleague, Sophie, wrote this really good story about her. And I, I kind of went back over it and I was like, this is just a very cool person. And one of the first things and like sort of the headline that we used for it was like, you know, there's a lot of like scars on the restaurant and the kitchen world, like mental health wise. And I think one, or it was not the headline, but a subhead that, that I put in there. It said, it's okay to have feelings at work because like, this is something that you have championed. And I, I think it's really cool. And it's, it's a management style that people are learning like, Hey, this actually works. So I, I wanted you to talk a little bit just about how it's different to be a manager that kind of like manages people first. Yeah. uh, Actually, Eric always tells us, our director, that we're not in the food business, we're in the people business, which I agree with 100%. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. We spend more time in this industry with our coworkers than we do with our own families. Yes. So I've always, my whole career have treated people as people, mm-hmm. not as, not as someone punching the time clock or how many, you know, carrots I can get them to chop. It's really, how are you today? What's going on? Noticing when they seem a little bit down and checking in with them and really trying to listen to them. And that's, for me, has built many, many great environments over my career. I stay in touch with some of the first cooks I ever worked with and they still call me and then they come into town, we meet up. And so I really just believe in making people feel happy about coming to work and feeling valued. For sure. Mm-hmm. And another thing that I noticed there is that you um, you started or one of your first jobs was at this really famous restaurant of San Francisco. And you may not necessarily know it, but if you're from the area, you definitely have heard of it. It's been around for quite a while, Slanted Door. And um, it's Chef Charles Fon. And it's in the Ferry Building. There is, it overlooks the Bay Bridge, which is a scary vision for me because I've gotten lost on the Bay Bridge before. The, the one time that I drove in San Francisco. But um, this is, it, there was also kind of a commissary kitchen or like a um, central production kitchen where you kind of like honed that ability. So I wondered if you could tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So working for Slanador, obviously Charles has very high standards, which it really pushed me to understand how to work with someone with very high expectations. Uh, commissary kitchen is something I had never done before. Mm-hmm. It's very different than a restaurant kitchen. It's just production right. and making sure that you have things on, uh, on time. But really, it was about relationship building. So there were seven restaurants I was delivering food to, and I really built strong relationships with each one of those, That's which cool. I carried over into Stanford in their commissary kitchen, it's really about relationship building and building trust with the chefs and creating products that they really want and working with the chefs to create products that they like so everyone can have them. Gotcha. Commissary kitchens are amazing. And it's such a big part of college dining. And that's kind of how you make things happen. Because as I mentioned before, mm-hmm. huge numbers, this is like you're, you're feeding a, a heck of a lot of people. So it's you kind of need that. Yeah, it also allows us to have consistency in ingredients and labeling. So, but just really a high quality of food going to each unit so that they each have their own, you know, all the clam chowder tastes the same everywhere you go. It's amazing. But we still leave room for the chefs to have their specials and their, their little touch on everything. For sure. Because the having that creative spark kind of keeps people going too, I think, when they're behind the scenes in the kitchen. Definitely. Do you have, when you said clam chowder, I'm, I'm just about to go on a sidetrack here. <laughs> There's this San Francisco soup that's so good. What is it called? It starts with a C, Chipino? A Chipino. Yes. yes. Oh gosh. Do you, do you guys ever do that? It's kind of some weird ingredients though for like big production. I mean, there's many, or depending like what you put in it. Well, we actually just launched uh, last week uh, Saffron Mediterranean Kitchen. It's a new concept that we have, and the chef there does make chipina. Whoa, that's great. So the students are getting it. Yeah, and it's amazing. It's amazing. I had a feeling my chipino sense was going off (laughs) because that is just one of my favorite (laughs) things about San Francisco. Like, oh my gosh, such such an iconic dish. And you've been there for a while, but you didn't grow up there. You grew up in Houston. Yeah, I grew up in Texas. I actually came to culinary school uh, in San Francisco at the Cullen's California Culinary Academy. 
Um, yeah, I grew up in Houston. My dad was Greek, so I came from a very food-centric family. Very cool. Uh, you know, folding spanakopita, making dolmas when I was like 11 years old. So I love it. My dad yeah. just discovered the movie, um, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. So <sighs> I love that movie. Oh, good. We revisited that. The second one, the sequel, we didn't think was as, it's not, not really as good, but the first one is just so hilarious. And the aunt of Vula and the main character's name is Tula. And it's mm-hmm. so funny. And that guy who's on everything, the guy Aiden from Sex in the City, I was like, not him again. Like, I was like, is it him? <laughs> he just but, plays you know, the same guy in every movie. But he's yeah. the Xeno from the White Toast family. So I've heard all those things from my family. So I understand. Yes. It's very funny when you, I mean, I think a lot of actually uh, different cultures can understand that movie yeah. very well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I can yeah. definitely see that where it's yeah because they they're kind of they're very proud of of everything and keeping it alive and like food is such a big part of it in the movie too uh how fun like I, I just I think it's really cool that you um can sort of bring some of that like into have, have you sort of incorporated some Greek dishes like into different things that you've done yeah definitely I mean like I said we just launched our new Mediterranean yeah, kitchen perfect. so uh the chef there's uh chef Tammy Lynn's very strong uh, cook, but we work together. Uh, she's actually cooked with my dad before. So nice. we brought some of those home recipes in. So we're very excited. And it's the students are, I've never seen students so excited. They scream when they come into the dining hall uh, just to see like baba ganoush and hummus. There's like a marinated feta bar. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's such a good compliment for somebody who's making food. They have people just like scream in excitement when they come in. Mm-hmm. Like that's pretty much awesome. <laughs> what, what you want to do. I know, right. It's exactly what you're looking for. Yeah. And another thing that I wanted to ask you about, like this new thing that you introduced, it was a big hit, the breakfast salad bar. Like, is it, is it really salad? I'm, I'm just like, it's so California. What could it be? Cause I've heard of breakfast salads before. But how, how does that look to you? Like, what are those? Yeah, so breakfast salad idea came from every morning I just would want greens. I don't know what, for a while I'm like, I just want some greens. Does anyone else want greens? Is it just me? And then I think I had gone to a couple of restaurants and actually saw breakfast salad. But that was, of course, with the poached egg and the bacon salad kind of thing. Like frisee. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. And I was like, well, this is good. So maybe people do want this. So we just started running a small salad bar that was just great. It's greens, tomatoes, cucumbers, carrots. And then we would make kind of like a a raspberry vinaigrette or something a little more breakfasty. And then it just blew up and students were like, can we have beans? Can we have this? And then you just see people filling their bowl, even the staff filling their bowl with greens and salad in the morning. And it's just such a good way to start the day. You feel so energized. Yes. I didn't think it would. I didn't think it would expand as much as it did. But yeah, we definitely have a salad bar for breakfast. So it's a build your own salad bar. Yeah, you have shifted a whole day part like into what people think of that is because I've I've always been more of a savory breakfast person. But like you certainly it's like a donut doesn't seem like that's not like a great start for your day. Like you're not that's, you know, where's where's the whole grain in that situation? (laughs) And that you have been very involved with um, menus of change. So I wanted, and I know that that fits into like the dining program just as a whole, that's kind of been for a while, but I wonder if you could talk a little bit about your involvement with Menus of Change. Yeah, I mean, I've been around uh, since the beginning of Menus of Change. I'm actually 
now the co-chair. They just announced it with uh, Matt Ward. I know. It's very exciting. I'm very excited. So um, I'll be working with uh, Matt Ward from University of North Texas, which is also exciting for me since I'm from Texas. Um, But yeah, we really have used the menus of change principles at Stanford. We believe in them. We design our menus around them. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a personal passion for it. And it was so fun, even just the last project we worked on, which was the olive oil discovery. I mean, it has such a a big impact, even as we were working on our Mediterranean concept. So Mm -hmm. it kind of aligned at the perfect time. I learned even more about olive oil than I thought Mm -hmm. I knew. So yeah, it's it, such an amazing collaborative. That's very cool. Olive oil, definitely part of the Mediterranean diet, like very important, good fat there. And like, there's so many different. And what I was most surprised when I have learned about um, olives, I went to visit um, the Corto Olive Company. It's the Corto Passi family. And that is somewhere in California. It's definitely south of where you are, I think. Um, but they gave us the different samples. And what surprised me the most was that one was rancid and it was rancid olive oil that you have to try. And they're, they were like, this is what mostly what you have. And it's like many people like keep olive oil, like for years, like by their stove, like if they don't cook that often or like it's, we have it. And then they also said that Americans are, were used to the taste of like rancid oil because of potato chips. And I was like, what in the world? Like, but when, and then it's, it's because it's nothing more than fresh fruit juice. And that's like, what's so insane scene is that people think I just you think it's as stable as like vinegar or something because it goes with vinegar but it's like no 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 so what were some surprises that you learned like in terms of flavors or things that you you hadn't known I mean I just really it was really fun I did the tasting with one of our other chefs and as we were tasting them there was one olive oil that I tasted and I think it was the bright green, like fruity one. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is like the olive oil I grew up eating. And it like took me back to being, you know, with my dad. And he was just like, this one's very strange. And I was like, yeah, but this is like, I think this is real olive oil. And then when we got to the part where they talked about it all, they were like, this is kind of the ideal olive oil. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Like my dad was on point. My dad bought a lot of different olive oils. He was really into his olive oils. So it was really fun. We'd go to the, you know, specialty market where they had the barrels of olives. Have you ever been in one of those places? They're so amazing. It just smelled like olives in there. We'd pick olives and fetas from different countries and he would get big can. We had the big can. We didn't use olive oil and took it it worked a lot faster in our house. Right. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. It was such an amazing project. I loved doing the tasting and the research and we went and made sauces with all the different olive oils. It was so much fun. That's very cool. And it's also just like incorporating that health element because it's like you are feeding college kids and like getting them started on a good path of like learning what's healthy. And like, it's, it's just such a cool thing that college kids, because I, I certainly didn't have that when I was in college, like nobody was trying to like, even, I mean, it's like, is it edible? Like, can it, can this keep the students alive? <laughs> That's all that really mattered, but it's like, this just so many advances in it. So very cool. And I wanted to see what um, sort of like maybe some challenges that over the the past like school year, at least that have been, you know, because we're, we're coming out of this pandemic, it's becoming an endemic, which is wonderful. But like, what were some lingering kind of like, what, what have you been sort of trying to figure out with your team? 
I mean, definitely, I think everyone can speak on supply chain issues, Uh, things just disappearing from the industry that we didn't expect, and then just pivoting. But I think, you know, COVID really taught us to pivot quickly as a team. And um, really, seafood is something that we've been working on. Uh, There hasn't been much variety, Mm -hmm. or the cost is so high that we can't actually afford it. So We've been really partnering with one of our seafood vendors to have um, some creative solutions to using underutilized species. So we're kind of excited to, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say the underutilized has got to be the thing moving forward, I feel like. So what are some of the species? What have you been looking at? I know there's like dogfish or there's few. We've actually served dogfish before at Stanford. It's like very good. Um, I mean, we just started the conversation, so I don't actually have the list of them right now. But um, yeah, I'm excited. We're also uh, using like, they have some stuff. They're actually, so what they told us is that the fishermen don't actually have enough work to fish because a lot of restaurants close down. And Mm -hmm. so they've been, this particular vendor has been using the fishermen to portion the fish to give them more work. Gotcha. So we're really into supporting the small businesses and trying to help them build their way back up. And during the pandemic, we actually ordered from a lot of small local businesses at Stanford to help keep them going. So we got bread from a local bakery and yeah, but yeah, the pandemic has definitely been a challenge for everybody. For sure. And yeah, there, there must be a lot of local vendors around the area that are doing really cool stuff. Cause I mean, this is like an area that's kind of like a foodie haven, right? <laughs> yeah. There's no lack of choices around Stanford, but we really like to focus on the people that have the same, you know, sustainability and right. Right. Same um, culinary initiatives that we have. So those, yeah, those values that you have. And that's, I write a lot about sustainability and it can be confusing and it's kind of for a food service operator. Sometimes it seems like there's, and especially when it comes to seafood, like, it's just like, what is, and now with the prices going crazy, it's a lot, it's, it's a lot to figure out and we're, we're not going to get it all figured out in one day. That's for sure. So I, I wondered, you had mentioned, or somebody mentioned to me that you were working with chef Ileana de la Vega. So I met her once and I just thought she was so cool. She's like kind of intimidating how cool she is. She's like, and she has a very dry wit. <laughs> so I wondered like what your experience was with her. Yeah. So Ileana uh, is our consulting chef for one of our concepts called Cardinal Sage. Um, she's been here, I want to say almost as long as I've been at Stanford. She came about a year or two after me. So about six years. So this is a and she, I can't say enough about her. Her knowledge about Mexican cuisine is amazing. I learn 10 new things from her every time I'm around her. She is just giving with her knowledge. Mm -hmm. She loves to share. She loves to teach. She has really become one one of the Stanford family, we call it. Uh, The chefs, when she shows up, all the chefs come over to say hello. Mm -hmm. We usually make some kind of lunch for for her so we can hang out with her and just talk to her. Yeah, she is we, we talked over the pandemic a bunch because usually they come a couple of times during the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see her for Cinco de Mayo, which we're really excited about. Oh, very and cool. So just very felt like a loss not seeing them for so long. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. she's just she is part of our family. That's the best way to say it. Yeah. And an amazing chef. Mm-hmm. We so- love working with her. 
yeah, there's so many parts of Mexican food that I don't know about that I want to learn about. Like, I mean, just, I'm sure like going on a tour of Mexico, you could just see so much. Like I, I've only been like on a cruise to like the, the touristy spots, but I would love to go to like Mexico city one day. And like, I mean, very well, cool. she does food tours. I think I saw her doing something yeah. like on Instagram where she was like, I'm, I'm going to have to get on to one of those tours. Cause that, I know we all want to be on one of those tours as well. <laughs> I know you would <laughs> stuff because you would totally know where to go and like know all the people. <laughs> Very cool. So for Cinco de Mayo, is it just going to be like a bunch of like cool Mexican dishes, like for kids to choose from? Yeah, we are. So this is the first over the pandemic, we continue to do events, but usually our events would be located in the dining hall. Uh, so it would be in that stern dining is where Cardinal Sage is. Okay. Uh, but during the pandemic, we did it everywhere to, you know, stop the crowding, obviously. Yeah, but right. this, this is the first event we're doing at night again, mm. only in the dining hall. So we're super excited. And the chefs have been working on the menu, making it extra high level celebration. There's going to be music. They're going to decorate. It's going to be so much fun. Very cool. You'll have to make sure that we get to see some of those pictures and we can, we can share them with our readers too, once they come out. Cause that, yeah, I'll send you some. Such a fun holiday, such a, a sign of spring too. That's, <laughs> that's the other part. Has, has it gotten to be like, is it still kind of foggy? Is it always foggy in San Francisco? <laughs> uh, well, in San Francisco, it's foggy, but in Palo Alto, it's beautiful. Yeah. It is like sunny. Kids are laying on towels in their swimsuits, like playing beach beach volleyball. It's like, it was 88 yesterday down there, I think, but it's like 70 up here. Uh, those so are the it's... college that I call like playing Frisbee in yeah. the quad. <laughs> Everyone's out in the spring. Yeah. I mean, it's. Awesome. It's almost like a, a, I always say going to work is like going to a, a like vacation spot. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. The campus is beautiful. It's mm-hmm. always sunny down there. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. wonderful. Very cool. Palo Alto. Huh? That's the place mm-hmm. to be. That sounds mm-hmm. right. sunny. Yep. <laughs> it sounds wonderful. <laughs> and I, yeah, I've never been to, I, I think maybe the closest that I've visited, I don't know. I'm not sure which college. I've, I've been to several of the UCs. Um, maybe UC Berkeley would have been the closest that I that yeah. I went to. But not as sunny over there. Different environment. I would. <laughs> it, was, it was definitely kind of cloudy. And, um, well, you'll definitely have to make it down to Stanford. It's for it's sure. beautiful. Yeah, I, I definitely will. And um, I, I guess I just wanted to ask one more thing, which was sort of your future plans for the rest of the school year, like into the summer, like what are some things that you guys are want to focus on? So I'm kind of back to your question about um, challenges. We've been really challenged with labor as everyone has, but even before the pandemic, we had started our own in-house training program. Oh, cool. Um, teaching for culinary excellence is what we call it. So we have our, you know, dishwashers move to cooks, our cooks, moved to sous chefs, our sous chefs moved to executive chefs, and now we're starting one as well for front of the house. Um, And it's just been a great way to fill our positions. And we just restarted that. Uh, We have one class graduating already, and we're going to actually amplify that and do three classes at a time to really get, we have a lot of motivated people that want to move up. And we found that it creates such a great environment. Nice. And it really is a way for us to get the people that we really want and we train them mm. and they get to learn lots of stuff. And it's really fun to have that. So we're working on that. 
the summer, a lot of training because we weren't able to do a lot of training. So just back to our training and development in our staff, because we like to invest in that. Yes. And then we're actually working on a cookbook Ooh, for Stanford. So the chef team will be working on that over the summer. Oh my God, uh, I cannot wait. I, yeah, it's going to be very exciting. That's awesome. Isn't that daunting to make a cookbook? I've, I, I have a couple of friends who have written cookbooks and I'm like, it's like a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I was around Slandador when they worked on the cookbook. Okay. It's yeah. a lot of work, mm-hmm. but I think it'll be a lot of fun. Yes. So if the students are, I mean, the chefs are really excited about it. Nice. Um, we're going to do some stuff with the O'Donohue family farm that's on a uh, Stanford campus. Oh, be- um, the summer we're also usually in the summertime, we work on menu ideation for the falls when we do kind of our large revamp. Mm. And I just started a student menu innovation committee. Ooh, so yeah. we're actually going to have students that are going to attend tastings and give their feedback on the menus and just have more student engagement. We used to do a lot of tasting tables in the dining halls, which will return again soon. That's so weird that that kind of stuff is coming back because that's so fun for the students too. Like, and having a say is such an important thing. And yeah, very cool. Yeah, it's fun for us as well. I love hearing what the students have to say. I was on a graduate uh, student council meeting last night and they were giving opinions. I got to show them the Earth Day menu that we're doing. They were very excited. It's just fun to get. Yes. feedback someone asked for something we had in the past and I texted out I just added that to the menu so it's been fun and they get so excited and that's really what we're here for is the students sure. yes and having yeah. a conversation I love it I we are going to keep an eye on you you are a chef to watch <laughs> and we <laughs> thank you are going to be doing so so thanks so much for being with us and we'll talk to you again soon yeah thanks for having me